Welcome to the Orion Podcast, hosted by Jessa and Laurel of A Stellar Co., a podcast that connects you with the knowledge and resources you need to drive a more conscious form of capitalism. Orion starts now. Hey, Jessa. <laughs> Who do we have today? We've got James Schrader. Hey, Hi. James. Thanks for having me. Thanks for Welcome, being on. James. We're we're thrilled to have you. Thanks for joining us uh, last minute. We're really excited to talk to you about how to turn your passion into a career. But first, Jessa, how do we meet James? So we met James. Um, actually was introduced to James through a friend, a former coworker, Kate. And I was joking with you guys right before that our last guest, John Hyatt, we met through Kate. Different Kate. <laughs> um, and so I think you and Kate, well, I know you and Kate grew up together. And then since I've seen James do some comedy around San Diego, because you're a comedian. Mm-hmm. Yes. Professional comedian. Well, I'm a comedian. We'll start with <laughs> I don't know. I like the word professional to me. Why did I see? I actually just saw this recently and it kind of drove me nuts. And I, I think there's like some weird stigma around the word professional where there's when it comes to anything, people will just treat you like, you know, well, it's like a hobby. Like actually some guy, some troll trolled a comic friend of mine. and was like, get a real job. You're a horrible father. This is a hobby. This is a, and like the guy makes a living touring the country as a stand up pre Corona. And and it's like the whole term professional is strange to me because it's like, profe- when, it, when are you professional? When you start doing a thing, the first time somebody pays you to do a thing, when you can pay all your bills by doing it. Like, I think the word puts too much pressure on what something has to be. And so it's like, go do this thing that you hopefully are, you know, have some natural ability at or you learn, but rock that skill set you enjoy and whatever happens, happens. Like, don't worry about whether somebody else or you should classify yourself as professional. That I apologize. Um, amateur comedian James Schrader joins that us. That feels more at home for me. That's James um, Schrader, everyone. That's so low pressure. Amateur, yeah, <laughs> all the time. It's amateur hour constantly. I'm an amateur comedian. I'm an amateur father. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm yeah. doing my best. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, we're all faking it. Ah. <laughs> well, I would, um, I would say that Jess and I are actually professional business consultants. Um, and yes, really- and we would love, we like being paid. We get paid for it and we like being paid for it and want to continue to be paid for it. Yeah, that's our objective is like yeah. no margin, no mission kind of thing. Uh, but I'm glad that you brought that up because like my uh, pre Stellar Co, my, like my full career was based on how professional can I be? Like, how many certifications can I get? How many, like, big title job names can I get? Like, how many, I don't know, like, super competitive. Right. And I, and to your, to the point of this podcast, like, I definitely, somewhere along that way, kind of lost my passion. Mm-hmm. Try, trying to find. Trying to be professional. Yeah, trying to be the most professional. I mean, to be fair, like, I'm on the state board of a professional organization. So I do believe that there is some professionalism that goes into some industries. Um, but I lost that little fire a little bit along the way. So how, when did you see the fire that you had for being a comic and how did that grow and how did um, it start? Well, uh, kind of, we kind of touched on it before. I'm the youngest of three 
uh, boys in my family. And I think as the youngest, um, you you tend to feel like everyone's well-being is like your responsibility. And so you have a tendency to, I mean, just like anything else, if there's tension, you you cut tension. Like that's, you know, comedy itself is literally creating tension and then releasing the tension. It's like how, when you're performing. And I think we get that. And there's, there is a statistic that says that uh, most comedians with siblings are the youngest. And I think it comes from that. It's like, there's this pressure of like everyone that's above me, any, any fighting, any confrontation is something that I feel like I have to like calm down or, or, or manage or, or help save my family or like, you know, and so what was the question? <laughs> that was so funny. I got on my own fire and keep it going. Oh, um, I just found that, you know, it's, if it's something you love, I mean, that's, I, I didn't decide to become a standup till I was like 30. Um, I had done it. I've been on stage maybe four times before I really jumped in. Uh, I did it once in college in 2001 and it scared the, like it, it was, I had a bunch of friends there. There was like 80 people at a club. It was an open mic. And it went, it went reasonably well. Like I got laughs, it went all right. And it terrified me. I didn't do it again for 10 years. Cause I was like, how am I going to, like, they were laughing. How am I going to top that? Like how it was just, it was, it was too much. Like if it would have gone bad, I think it would have been like, okay, I have something to work towards. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, that went well. Oh shit. Like now what? So fascinating. So, but once I was 30, I had managed a construction company in Florida with my uncle for about 10 years, about nine, nine years and change. And um, I just I had started doing some improv locally, like as like a hobby. And that really got me writing. And once I was writing and, and stuff and then the construction thing, I just realized after nine years, like, what am I doing here? Why? Why am I sitting at this desk? Like, how did I end up here? Oh, that's right. I dropped out of college and I had nothing else going so I called my uncle and moved to Tampa and started working and then I worked my way up and we grew and then I worked my way into the office and then I took over and then all of a sudden I'm sitting at a desk nine years later 30 pounds heavier with pal you know stacks of, of paperwork everywhere just looking around like what am I doing like is this what I want is this what I want to be doing and I realized it was this thing of like, oh, wow, just because you're smart enough to do a thing doesn't mean that's what you should be doing. So that was kind of the big eye opener for me when I realized, like, this is not what I want. Uh, I talked to my uncle, talked to the, the rest of the, the business and just like figured out how to get out. And then that was when uh, at the same time, co totally coincidentally, uh, uh, I had my first divorce. And I brought it up. Uh and that was like all of a sudden this moment of I'm 30 years old. I have zero responsibility to anyone or zero expectations to live up to from anyone. What do I actually want? It, was a, it felt like it was the first time I, I got to ask myself that. What do you want to do? Yeah. And I've been doing all this improv and doing a bunch of writing. And I realized like, well, if I don't try this now, I'm never going to do it. Like if I go get another job. I'm never going to try this. I'm never going to go for it. So that was uh, on May 4th. That will be eight years. And I literally loaded up, you know, loaded up my truck with everything I had and hit the road and was doing open mics. And I spent about six months on the road 
driving around the country doing open mics and improv and some improv festivals and mm -hmm. made my way to San Diego and just started doing mics and working my way up through the scene. And it was a kind of thing where kind of like cheerleading in college, like I never thought I'd do it. But when I got there and I started learning how to stunt and my skill set went improved and it became more fun because my skills allowed me to do more. And also I was tumbling, I was doing standing back tucks and, you know, doing passes on the, the comp floor and stuff like that. Like, as the skill set improves, like, oh, I have more tools in my tool bag that make this more fun to keep going. And I think that's the part is like, it's easy to get comfy, I think, especially as a comic, like you start writing your time and first you got three minutes and then you have five minutes and then you have eight minutes. And then you'll, you'll go through like a year where you're getting booked to do a lot of eight to 10 minute sets. And that's all you do. And you don't actually write, like, I think this is common for a lot of guys. You don't actually write a lot of new material for like that, like years two and three, because you're in this like happy place where people keep booking you to do 10 minutes and you have it. So you just keep doing it and keep doing it, and keep doing it. And then you realize like, I have to write more because I'm bored. Yeah. I have, have to start like, doing more. You got to like challenge yourself to keep exploring and pushing and pushing. Yeah. Like, are you, are you good at pushing yourself? No. No, I am. I am. I am the ultimate procrastinator. Um, I don't have, and this is something I'm working on. Like, I am not the most scheduled person. Uh, I have a notebook on me at all times in my pocket every day of my life, uh, and that's so when inspiration hits. And that's the one thing I like. The way I do create, it seems, is I procrastinate, 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 and then all of a sudden, inspiration will hit, and then it will just flow it will just go and sometimes it's three minutes sometimes it's one sentence sometimes it's an hour and a half of just ta -ta 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 -ta, and it's coming out and i don't know whether it's good or not but it's coming out and, and it feels and like then, a flow yeah well, yeah when you know if the flow hits and you're in flow you just keep going until you know it stops which usually and i think that's like an adhd thing of like i'm into it i'm into it i'm into it squirrel <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's over. And you walk away and then you come back and read and look and edit and figure out what's crap, what's not. And, How long is I, like your longest writing flow? Like, is it consecutive oh, hours? Have you gone for like days or what? Depending, now that I'm doing a lot of script writing, it's probably, it's gotten longer. Um, I can sit down and it's kind of a thing I've started doing to manage myself where I will unplug my laptop and and just sit and, and write until my laptop dies which like i if i'm playing music or stuff usually it's like an hour and a half and once like the battery meter is kind of low i'm like all right cool like you did your part go reset go go take a metaphor <laughs> what's that <laughs> the battery being on your yeah, computer yeah my battery's oh. dead you gotta recharge time yeah, exactly yeah and that's like so I think I try to meditate for at least 20 minutes every day because that's what helps me get into the flow. And what I style enjoy, of, what's that? What style of meditation? Like what do you do? I mean, I like to listen to guided meditation for mm -hmm. being in the present moment and calming down. And so, right. cause like I have a hyper active problem solving mind and I constantly want to produce all the time. And I've noticed that when I'm like this, um, my production is actually really bad. And then when mm -hmm. I calm down, I have like this hyper creative, hyper problem solving spurt after I'm super meditative and chill. And I can get like hyper uh, motivated for the rest of the day. And then by the end mm -hmm. of the day, I'm not actually crashing. 
like I used to. Mm-hmm. I used to like mm-hmm. hit four o'clock and Jess would be like, ping, 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 are you alive? Like do, do, do. And no, I wouldn't be. And now that I've like mastered, okay, you get in the morning, you get into the flow state. The flow state is actually effortless after a while and not actually right. like draining your battery, so mm-hmm. to speak on the metaphor. And then just like, that's, I'm like kind of addicted to finding that flow state. Yeah. And it's, and it's tough. Cause like, like I, it, I love that you, you do that. You kind of like set it up and that's something I've worked towards. Like today I actually meditated. I set my timer. I meditated for 10 minutes. And, and then afterwards I like went through some business stuff and wrote some emails and you're right. Like once you kind of can settle down all the noise, then you, it does feel like it's just kind of, it just happens. And then the writing feels the same way is like when you're in it, it's just coming out. It's just, you know, you're just, the fingers are just going and it all seems to be working. And then later you read it and like 90% of it's crap, but <laughs> that 10% wouldn't have happened without the other 90. And, and, and I think that's important too, is just to get it out. When so you recommend it. like people, yeah, you said, okay, so it's important to, to get it out. And you mentioned a good point I want to pop into is that like, I try to make time to accommodate calming down and, and getting into the flow state. And you've recently mm-hmm. picked up a way of doing that. What are some like new ways you're trying to manage yourself other than like waiting to the battery runs out on the, do you have like a journal other than your notebook or like a planner or. Uh, I actually just started uh, because of Jessa. She recommended the the focus journal. Which Laurel recommended to me. So there we go. <laughs> and I feel like that's um, why Laurel's asking about it. <laughs> that was a little oh yeah. Well, um, but that, that I found helpful just for organizing my own brain and taking the pressure off. Cause I definitely have, and, and through this, the, the quarantine, it's been really tough because like, there is like, I don't have before I had like, even as a writer, it was very loose, but I still had like work days. I would still go down to the William Painter offices and we have like, do we have our main office and then like a side office and I could sit in there and just spend three and a half hours going over stuff and then walking in the other room and checking with like, Hey, do you like this? Hey, do you, you know, and now it's like, well, my workday is pretty much from when I, I feel pressured from when I wake up till whenever I go to sleep. Like there is no set time, but then there's like with the creative flow thing, it's like you're battling that of like, I don't feel like I can be like, hey, from one to two, you're right. That's yeah. what you do. And I'm like, well, that sounds crazy because I might not feel like, <laughs> I never feel like writing, but <laughs> I might not feel like writing from one to two especially when at 11.15, some idea hits me and then it's like go time. So that's something I'm trying to work on. You mentioned William Painter and I don't, I don't know if a lot of our audience is aware. So walk us through like William Painter and what you do on it, what you did pre COVID every day. Okay. So uh, William Painter is how do we, when we have our internal talks, we describe ourselves as, and I'm a new member of the team, but uh, we describe ourselves as like a production company. Which means we, in our mind, like, we just want to create quality things. The first thing, their first product was uh, sunglasses. It was a single frame. It was called the Hook. It's made of titanium, which is like the strongest metal alloy per weight. And you can, it has a, a hook in the side of it, and you can literally pop a bottle with it. And, and I don't think I have them here. No. And, uh, and so that was like their first frame of sunglasses and then they have i think we have 10 total now with different colors and stuff but they just they look at business and they started with sunglasses and that socks is our our next product but they just look at stuff that people use every day that they use and they're like what what are people doing wrong how do we do it better what materials would be better like we don't want to do it cheap we want to do it right 
And so that's kind of their philosophy with everything, which is pretty great. Um, and so with them, they brought me in because I, I did a commercial for Dr. Squatch, which is a natural soap company for men. And that went really well. And I want to say before we had, I don't know, 10 million views or something. And when William Painter came into the marketing firm, which is uh, Raindrop uh, Branding and Marketing in San Diego, they were the ones that produced the Dr. Squatch commercial. Uh, William Painter came in and was like, hey, we love what you did for them. Uh, we would like to do the same thing. I was part of the writing team at Raindrop at that point. Um, and so I was involved and happened to do the read through when the William Painter guys were there. They liked my vibe. They said, well, do you want to do the commercial? So then I did that commercial. Um, and then so between these two, like two and a half, three minute commercials, now we're at like 240 million views or something. And the commercials are doing great. But the William Painter guys are like, hey, we like your vibe. We know your situation. We we just we kind of want to just bring you into the fold if you're up for it. And not only will you write and be in the stuff, but you can help us with everything, like anything that's written, anything that a client has to interact with, whether it's the website, whether it's the frequently asked questions, whether it's literally like the, the, the bot on the website that you can talk to. They're like, help us make it more engaging. Help us make it funnier. Help, you know. So that became kind of a, a, a very different yet interesting and fun. It kind of just it it sparked the skill set or it like it, it peaked. I don't know. Is that the way to say it? I don't know. You're on like the parallel bars at that point. You're on or you're on the uneven bars and you're learning how to like double dismount. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like this is sort of my skill set, but now I have to apply it to email. Like, OK, I'm a performer and I write comedy for the stage, but how can I make an email more engaging? So it was like a way to flex a new muscle within the same muscle group. And uh, and so that, and I was just crazy excited to, to try it. And they offered security for my home and my family and things like that. And it was like just this wonderful deal and relationship that we, we grew into. And, uh, and then it turned into like, I was going to the office three days a week. Uh, and writing everything from emails to the frequently asked questions to like pretty much anything on the website, any interaction, as well as scripts for short videos. And we were shooting stuff on our own and shooting stuff with a production team. And uh, so that's been almost like seven months now that I've been a part of that. And, oh, that's you know, great. And then yeah. COVID hits. <laughs> and then COVID hits, which has which it. been interesting. It didn't stop us, but it definitely made us look at what like we had a script written that we were uh, supposed to shoot it was about a three minute uh hero video like an anchor video and we were going to shoot that pretty much like two weeks into when we had it scheduled for about two weeks into when after the quarantine started and all of a sudden the quarantine started and we we were like all right well we'll push it back and then we started talking about it i was like well i don't know I don't know if that script really like hits the mark anymore. Like life is so different. So then it became like, all right, well, how do we get ready for what this is going to be afterwards? Cause we don't know what it's going to be. We don't know what normal is going to be. Um, so that's been kind of interesting. Cause we've been going back and forth and talking about like, what's the post Corona marketing look like? Like, you know, what is, you know, our, our whole goal is to encourage people to like, you know, it, as cliche, it is like live their best life. But what is that now? Because now that may be just getting together with your extended family and, and going on a camping trip and a barbecue instead of, you know, going to the club on a Friday night. Like mm -hmm. things are different. So uh, it's been a it's been a challenge and a fun one. Mm -hmm. I think William Painter is um, I think 
they're an example of a stakeholder focused business. And that, you know, that's what we talk about, obviously, on the podcast quite a bit is um, if you've ever listened. And one of the I things listen. is that, <laughs> no, I, I am, I'm making fun of ourselves more than anybody at this point, because we had a guest who will not be named who, who called the <laughs> podcast Orion. And we're like, it's, it's Orion. Wait, or what? Not, it's like Orion. We're <laughs> like, okay, well just like, you're going to be on it. So maybe you could just listen. I mean, a few minutes, that's it. That's yeah. all we ask. So anyway, I'm, I'm making fun of us. So, but I think that with what William Painter does and kind of how you're describing it is that they focus on like long-term quality products. And so it's not right. these cheap, you know, I've seen your commercials, a lot of millions and millions of people have, and it's not these cheap sunglasses that just break, which especially I feel like in San Diego and Southern California, like they give them out like Tic Tacs at every single event. And right. there's just waste. It, like no one wants them. They're, they're disposable. I have literally a stack of like 20 in a cabinet. I'm like, I don't know what to do with these. And so William Painter is a, creates long-term value and I think a loyal, loyal customer base by giving people, like you said, um, what people want and need, what they're focused on, making things better than currently exists in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like you said, bringing people like yourself in-house to be part of the team and kind of repositioning or rethinking how you interact with your customers or ideal customers in the light of uh, changing time. So mm-hmm. that's all I got. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. <laughs> all right. Are we good? Are we done? Yeah. This um, is great, guys. Thanks for having me on Orion. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> So uh, something too I wanted to ask you is that you know like you were saying, oh, I I was in this job and I wasn't happy. I decided to drive across the country to stand up. Like how did you get to the point and what did you focus on from like I guess it's kind of a a few different questions is were you driven by stand-up and like getting in front of a crowd and having that immediate feedback? And so is like writing a means to get to that? Like what's the driver for you? Because now you're talking about like writing scripts. So like, do you write scripts? So ideally is the driver so you can write scripts, you can be in the commercial and be in front of people and be this like performer sending this message. Is that like what? Um, Right now that's the main focus. Um, Right now, I mean, it's kind of nice. Right now I'm writing for me. Uh, Before I became like a team member at William Painter, uh, I was working as a contract writer for Raindrop and we wrote for a bunch of stuff. Like we wrote for the San Diego Symphony. We wrote for Works Tools. We wrote for Squatch, a bunch of stuff for Squatch. Some of it was for me, some of it wasn't. Um, and that was just fun just because it was so different. Um, now writing for myself is is definitely, I don't know if it's easier but it's, it's like, I, I can hear it as I write it, which actually is kind of a struggle because I write in a way that like, when I hear myself do it, I'm like, oh, that's engaging and funny. I see where that works. But when you just read the words, it's like, nothing is funny about this. It's, you know, in my mind, I say it with a little inflection and that for whatever reason makes So you mean writing that. for yourself, like for example, if you're writing a script, you're saying, oh, I'm gonna be the one saying this in the, the commercial or the video. Yeah, like right so now, I'm like writing 90% it for me to say. Of what I'm writing, yeah, is me. And so, as far as 
you know, kind of making a career out of this is like, how are you able to make that step from going to, okay, I'm just going to like do this six month tour. Like, I'm just going to start and like give it, put all my energy into this now. Like, how are you able to get to where you're at now? And uh, we have like 30 minutes. So I know this took you eight plus years, but <laughs> wrap it up. Um, wrap it up. Um, one, I think it took a real catalyst, which was turning 30, realizing I didn't want to be in the construction industry, um, getting the, the, my divorce. I think that, yeah, it, it was just like something made me think something really pushed me to be like, you have like a number of choices for, and it really did feel like for the first time I had like a choice in what I wanted to do. And I really wish somebody would have told me when I was 15, be like, Hey, what do you like doing? You should just do that. Nobody, I, I like, I don't think I was ever told like, it always feels like when you're young that people are like, Oh, you got plenty of time after high school. You should, you should backpack Europe. You should, you know, take it easy, see the world, have some experiences. And I then you never. graduate high school. Huh? <laughs> I never heard that. That was, you the, never heard that. I was living in my basement forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do your day. laundry and cook. Um, I don't know. I grew up in a pretty like weird place. I mean, I grew up in the Florida Keys, which is a very strange, like hippie-ish, different. Like it's not a like it's Florida, but it's not Florida. It's like its own weird place where people go to get away from normal society. So maybe I was getting a little hippier vibe from that. But I did find it funny that that's what I was told right up until I graduated high school. And then it was like, you better go to college and get a job. And you're like, wait, what? What happened to all the see the world? They're like, nobody's paying for that shit. And you're like, what? So it just felt like, oh, you have to go to college because that's what is expected of you. And it doesn't even matter what you do there. Just get a degree. You need a degree. You, have, you need to have something to fall back on. But nobody ever said like, well, what's the thing you want to do? To not fall back, like or from which planet? If yeah, if plan if Plan B is falling back on your degree, nobody encouraged Plan A at all. So I, it wasn't until I was thirty. Like I said, I wish somebody would have told me that at like as a junior in high school that just be like, hey, what do you what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? Because like somebody probably needs that skill set for you know. And if you follow that, yes, you might, you know, college might not be where you need to go to do that. You know, maybe you're not going to make a bunch of money. Like I, I'm eight years in, I'm now making a living for the first seven years of being a comic. I didn't, I didn't make a living until I started doing the commercials. I haven't made any money off comedy. Comedy hardly pays at all, which is, which is really my like long-term goal is all the commercial work, all this stuff is it's exposure. It's um, like, skill development, uh, writing, which is if you can write a three minute ad, that's a scene, right? So then you take that and do it 10 times. Now you've got a TV show, you do it, uh, math more times, and then you have a movie. So it's like, Wait, I, I don't, there's no downside. Huh? Are you on your way to make a movie? Is this what's Why happening? not? Oh, why not? I don't You're know. First on Orion. I know. <laughs> 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 so I I look at this in, as is like these are this is the way for me to make a living, have security for my family, for my home, um, and also learn a skill set that will only serve 
me better down the road as a comedian and and provide you know some exposure so the the more views i have with these commercials the more people know me and if they like the commercials they might want to come see me perform someday so i kind of look at everything as building each other and you know the, the the i believe somebody very wise told me recently the 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 tide raises all ships i believe so very wise woman on this podcast yeah right over depending on where you're mine's up mine's up there okay so i just i just feel like it there's no you know if if you have something you enjoy go do it because there's no better time than now and you're only going to be you like eight years in the comedy i feel like i know less than I did than I thought I did when I started. And I think that goes for anything you're into. Sure. As soon as you really start scratching the surface, you realize like if you pick up a guitar and start playing it and you know nothing, and then you can learn three chords and then you can sing one song and then you see Eric Clapton and you're like, well, there's so far to go. Like, <laughs> I'm not even close. Well, do, so, you, um, do you, James, do you, to Jessa's point about like what drives you and all that, is like your purpose in life to just crack people up? Like, is that in, in its simplest form? Do you just want to make people laugh? Or uh, yeah, different? and I, I think I have a trait that doesn't always serve me positively but i'm like i'm a people pleaser and i think that comes from being the youngest child too like i'm always trying to just like as weird as it sounds put other people first at least like on the surface uh and i think also as the youngest child you become like like kind of like a master manipulator because nobody gives a shit what you want and you're like all right if i want something I have to make it happen. <laughs> and if I tell them I want it, if I tell my older brothers I want something, it's never going to happen. But if I go, well, what, what do you want? Okay. And what do you want? Okay. And what do you want? Well, it sounds like we can all do that while I'm doing what I want. Perfect. Like, I You're think a strategist. that's- Yes, a strategist. Yeah, it's strategic planning. It is. It is. That's what- um, I would just like to point out that's not limited to youngest children. Only children are also very good at that. <laughs> and as you get older, it's strategy. I mean, I, I, I joke about this all the time, but when you use it for good, it's strategy. When you use it, you know, for bad, then it's manipulation. So that's the PR lesson for today. But yeah, I mean, it, that's interesting. So you think that, so is the people pleasing aspect, is that like, oh, I'm making all these people happy, I'm making them laugh? Mm-hmm. Like that's, I mean, the best thing on stage, when, when you're performing, when you, you know what's coming up, they don't, right? So you're in a room, there's 200 people that are out for a night out. They all have, you know, everything outside the door of that club is stress and, and responsibility. And now they're here. And I have them for however long my set is, whether it's five minutes, eight minutes, 20 minutes. And during that time, if I do my job well, none of the other stuff will be in their head. I will literally take over their brain and think for them and guide them through this journey and this story that I'm that I'm creating or telling them. And along the way, there is built-in tension release. Tension really, you know, the release is in laughter form, but it's like something where I know if the, in those 10 minutes, I can leave those people in a better state than they got here in. Well, I, and have, I, think to inter- all- I have to interject because it could go the opposite. And this is my personal story 
is that I'm a, I'm a pretty easy crack up. I think, I think pretty much everyone's really funny, but I went to a comedy club mm-hmm. and I bombed. It was, oh, that happens. it was so painful. And this was like, this was 14 years ago in Denver and I've never gone back since. And my husband has asked me to go to the comedy club so many times. And Jess has been like, let's go see James. I'm like, I can't, I just can't. I'm like a recovering audience member. And it is, I am so empathetic. (laughs) So bad. Mom affected you. Like, is it because while it was happening, you got so uncomfortable? Like your, your anxiety was rising because they were doing so bad. Wow. It was so, that's why I can't watch The Office, like the English Office. I can't mm-hmm. watch it because it's that awkward humor that just is so uncomfortable that makes everybody so uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, everybody's so upset and uncomfortable. But I think that if I were to like, I don't know, you're easing me back into it by saying, if it's a good, if it's a good comedian, you know, like, like you are, then you're going to take me on this journey, this ride, and you're just going to like kind of guide me. I mean, that's manipulation. You're a manipulator. Comedic shaman. Well, but don't, don't, I mean, that's the thing though. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if I'd call myself, I'm, I'm a, I'm an all right comedian. I get laughs. I do my job. I feel most of the time, but every single comedian bombs, every big name that's on Netflix right now has bad sets. Now the audience might not know it's a bad set. They might still be laughing some, but the comedian knows like, well, this isn't hitting like it did yesterday or that new tag didn't work. Or, wow, I've totally lost all enthusiasm for that joke, and I don't know why it doesn't work as well. Like, you will have a joke that worked the exact same way every single night for three years. And then all of a sudden, it just starts getting less and less and less. And you're sitting there like, I don't I don't know what's different. You got I don't the, know. You got the itch. You got to keep going for it. It's like with a lot of things, it's like the J curve, where it gets worse before it gets better. And so I would think, especially with comedy and with performing and it's such like a personal and vulnerable thing to do and put yourself out there in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think being like a critical skill, I'm assuming would be like being comfortable with the discomfort, like that's when you grow. And I think that's applicable in a lot of different areas is that when you're uncomfortable and you can come out of something and be okay and learn from it and grow, like you're just... You're gonna be saying a funny person, which, <laughs> which you should. I mean, you should come out of every set, and not not off the stage. But that's why, like, I record every single set. I don't always listen to them, but I do know every time I do listen to it, because one, like, nobody wants to listen to themselves talk. Nobody, like, I don't enjoy it. It's very hard. Laura, I don't understand that, but yeah. go on. <laughs> <laughs> But I record every set. You don't set. put this on the internet, this, this podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to Orient. <laughs> this, this is just like, for Laurel. That. Yeah. This is what we do um, on Thursdays. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But I do find that if, if I do listen to those sets, if I listen to those recordings, I will come out, you know, I can take notes and realize like, oh, that punchline didn't work because I said it too soon. I didn't give myself enough time or I stepped on a laugh or oh, I, here's like three more ideas for tags for that joke. Uh, and so I think the reflection, with reflection, you can come out of any of the bad situations and even good situations. You can, you know, any every commercial I've made, as soon as I see the final product, part of me wants to be like, all right, cool. Let's throw that away. Go reshoot all of it. Now I know how I want to do that. You know, which <laughs> with comedy you can do every every set you can watch and realize how can I do every single word better. So, 
I liked what you said. You used a phrase called stepping on a laugh. I'm not in <laughs> your, your sphere, so I don't know these words, but I, I what is stepping on a laugh? I can imagine. It, it, like, it means you you tell a joke, you hit you say the punchline, the room starts laughing, or people, whatever, the room starts laughing. And then before they finish laughing, you just start in again and like either hit them with another tag or start another joke. And especially in the beginning when you have less stage time, you like in your mind, you're like, all right, I got to get through all my material. Like if I'm doing eight minutes, I have to get through all eight minutes of my stuff, which takes you out of the room because you're forcing your will upon the room instead of reading the room as well as you should be and pacing to them. Because you might have a room that just laughs a lot. You might have a hot crowd that you say a punchline and they laugh twice as long as last night's room for some reason. But if you if you cut them off each time, you you kind of do them a disservice because they're like, oh, I shouldn't. They're training them to not laugh as much. Mm -hmm. So it's hurting you. And they're not hearing the new tag or the next joke that you're saying because you you started talking and their face is open and their heads back and their eyes are closed because they're in pure bliss and joy <laughs> and they're not listening to you yet. So it's something that, that I think newer comics do a lot and it's something I still catch myself doing. And it's it's like a skill that you have to just really observe and be careful of because you can, it's not like you're gonna ruin the show, but you will make it less less than it could have been by just starting too soon and stepping on that laugh. When you describe that, what I think about immediately is Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. And when they have the guest hosts on who aren't used to doing live performing or right. else they're maybe like a musical act and then they're in a skit, they like every time just keep talking. They just like talk through laughter all the time. Yeah, And it's like, That's oh, did you think people aren't going to laugh at that? Like They don't know. They don't know that they're... Yeah, yeah, and but they someone there should know at this point. I would think. Would think. I don't know. It's only been on for like four well, years, but. But, but that's what I think about. Live performance is such a different kind of thing. You know, if you have some actor or musician that, like, you know, they sing their song, then everyone applauds. That's how that works. Where when they yeah. get on stage, they're like, whether even if they think it's funny, they just don't know. Yeah, and. It, so another question I have for you is, you know, you're talking about the success you've had with William Painter and mm -hmm. Dr. Squatch and ads and like how many, like 240 million views on this just Dr. Squatch, just with uh, Dr. Squatch and William Painter. I want to say we're like pushing 250 million views. That doesn't count a, a handful of other commercials that have hundreds of thousands. So, so <laughs> I mean, so you're not a lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Laura, to cut you off. Um, what I was going to ask is, I would assume that having that kind of exposure and following, like a lot of people approach you with new ideas and opportunities. And so I'm wondering, one, is that true? And if so, like, how do you manage that? And how do you decide what is worth your time? Um, it does happen. It, it happens actually shockingly more than I thought it would. Uh, I get a lot of emails through my website and stuff that people are like, oh my God, I'm launching this new product or what was the weirdest one? Some guy was launching a, oh, what was it? A shirt sauna? I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I was like, did I write this email? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I got it. I literally sent this email like, earlier today to someone else. <laughs> some 
time like middle America was launching a gym in his hometown. He's like, will you do a commercial for me? That's what I need. You'd be perfect. And I'm like, I don't think you understand what this is. Like, I don't, you know, and that's the most of the thing I've realized is most people don't understand actually what most of this costs. And I'm not even talking about me, but I've had people reach out to me and they're like, oh, will you do a commercial for me? Because one, they don't understand that I'm an actor that helps write. They think I am, one, people think I am Dr. Squatch. They think I am William Painter. They think I am a marketing firm and a production team. I'm like, nope, I'm just a comic that got lucky. Like, that's it. So I have to explain to a lot of people, like, they're like, hey, like, how much for you to produce the entire thing? And and I've actually entertained it a little bit because I'm like, well, I kind of have, like, the contacts now. And pretty much what I would do is I'd be like, if I'm going to take that on, like, I'm going to charge you an outrageous amount of money because I need to have enough built in that if I screw it up, I can fix it. Um, but mainly it's, it's what it, what it's become after I went through a few of them. It's become like, is this one, is, is this a product I have any interest in backing? Do I believe in it? That's the biggest thing. Like I believe in Dr. Squatch. I believe in William Painter. They both make very good products. They both treat their customers very well. Uh, and they're, they're just philosophy as people are great. And now that's really what I hold it to. I've, I've had, I mean, I'm getting like two to three op offers a week, probably in my email box. And most people don't realize that it's like, oh, this is not a, I remember I told somebody, I think I was like, hey, if you want, uh, I can put together a writing team and I can put you in touch with a production team. And for my whole thing with the writing team and everything, I think I was like, well, you know, I want uh, five grand to get you uh, version one of a script. And this was like a while back. And it was like five grand to get you version one of a script. I'll put together a three person writing team and we'll get it to you in uh, two weeks. And then you should contact these people to make it and whatever. And they're like, oh, oh, well, our, our whole budget's twelve hundred dollars. I was like, what? You mean like just to write? And they're like, no, 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 like the whole thing, twelve hundred dollars. And I was like, oh, that's then you don't, you're not gonna make a commercial. <laughs> that's not take eight hundred dollars of that and buy an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what's crazy, and actually the biggest thing I learned is it's not even necessarily one, you have to have a good, like it has to be a good piece of content. But the truth is these commercials don't just like viral is no longer a thing. This is something I've, I've learned in the past year. There is no such thing as viral anymore. People see that we have a hundred million views and they're like that went viral. Can you write us a viral commercial? No, every single one of those views, well, not every single one, 99.99% of those views were paid for. But the company took this piece of content, this ad, they paid to put it in front of 500 million people and most of us went skip 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 but apparently a hundred you know for squatch that squatch ad 107 million people watched it and so that's what that means now and like people don't realize that like oh if, you know you can pay ten thousand dollars and make a very low budget two minute video i guess you could do that with it with even a production team 10, 10 grand you could one day shoot you could pull something off but if you don't have five to 10 times that just to put into ad spend afterwards, it wasn't worth spending the 10 up front to make the ad. So like nothing really happens organically. 
is what you're saying. No, YouTube, Facebook, all of them have like realized that like viral videos were, were going crazy and people were making money because like the ad, you know, like cat video, right? Goes nuts, gets 50 million views all organically in like a month. That person, whoever posted that, now YouTube's putting an ad in front of it and paying that person. And, da -da. and then YouTube was like, wait a second, why are we just letting this happen? And then so they put stuff in place and they put, they built in choke points to pretty much be like, if a video starts going nuts, we literally can slow it down and then look to you and be like, if you want this to do better, pay us. So I think that's the overall is like an interesting point and um, a saying I'm trying to get um, to catch on is Beyonce didn't become Beyonce overnight. So you don't see all the hard work that goes into making something. So someone sees you like a relatable person in an ad for a product that's like soap, like Dr. Squash soap. Right. And it's like, oh, this guy's like, you know, he looks like the guy who could be my friend. Like we could be hanging out on the weekends. He should be in my commercial. And it's not, and it's not the people take for granted, I think, all the hard work that goes into it, all the planning, all the budgeting, the forecasting, the production, the writing, and all this, because you see it, it looks effortless in a good way. Like that's right. what it's supposed to look like. But that's but, the magic. That's like a movie. It doesn't look like they're in a movie. It just looks like you're watching a scene. Yeah. Sorry, I don't, I don't know why I repeated what you said. <laughs> just well, it had to come from a man so people believe it. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for your support, James. <laughs> I do what I can. I'm an ally. <laughs> you just totally like ruined my perception of information on the internet. Like I'm this naive individual. It's like, oh, this like beautiful unicorn horse like flying over rainbow that 180 million people like they just like that organically and it just happens so naturally this must be like a true magical little unicorn horse well, I mean if nobody's yeah. making money off of it like if if it's just some dumb cat video or unicorn a beautiful magical unicorn video like you're into um that might still like that's it's not doing what it used to do mm. but it's still like there but like the anything viral commercially is no longer thing and even videos like that i think they literally they they slow them down fascinating so is your passion to get people excited and then slow them down and then make them pay so that you can <laughs> in all aspects of life that's Tony everything that's whether it's my kid you know i don't you know a waiter doesn't matter i'm like hey get excited Rain it in. I'm only yeah. ordering the side salad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for reading I know me all I the specials. Like I eat a lot. <laughs> so, um, something else that a few other things. This live stream is uh, it's new for Orion. I should probably stop joking about that. It's Orion. Oh, it's Orion. It's Orion. Thanks, guys. <laughs> But with the live stream, we're like, oh, if you're watching live, you can, we always, and by always, we did this once, we ask people, they're welcome to type in questions that you can answer. So mm -hmm. um, I'm going to put that out there now. The, 47 um, minutes in. Hey, there's 13 minutes left if anyone wants to ask. Yeah, we have, Laurel and I get dibs, priority dibs on the questions we want to ask. Okay. And then once we've hooked people and be like, okay, you, you earned it. Now you can ask a question. <laughs> So that's one thing we like to do. Okay. And 
Then another thing is kind of that I wanted to ask is what's next for you on the horizon? Like, obviously, it sounds like you're doing a lot of work and writing and have a lot of ideas. You're talking about, you know, TV shows and movies and have it sounds like big dreams. So what are you what's your focus for the future? Um, this is I mean, this is something that quarantine has kind of forced, which uh, I oddly appreciate. Like, I have never been more organized from a business sense. Um I'm getting my my website. I've, I've had one for years. I rarely update it. I don't email the people that give me their emails enough. I don't. So like this is finally forcing me to be like to get structured to get all my ducks in a row. Um, I have a podcast that I've recorded nine episodes of that I have not released any. I need to start. So I'm like I'm getting all the ducks in a row to be efficient and to put all my content out and be able to engage with, with, um, through my Instagram and my website and my podcast with people that are interested in hearing my dumb face talk and seeing me perform and things like that. So, um, that's really where I'm at with is how do I get all my ducks in a row so that when people can go back to a comedy club, um, they, now I have the best chance of, of, kind of maximizing that is that the word so mm-hmm. I, I and i do think that will be i think when this you know once we figure out how to open things back up in a way that that is um responsible i think people are going to be starving for things like comedy and live music any type of live performance i would expect theater um comedy music to just have a huge bump and it might not be like we're packing 200 people in a room anymore. Like we might be limiting it. So everyone has a little more distance and it's a little, you know, everything's going to be a little cleaner. Everything's going to probably be a little more social distance, but people will want to be uh, engaged in, in, in enjoying that type of entertainment. So that's kind of my thing. Comedy club. I might. Oh, you will. I might. Will. If it's you just for, just for, the <laughs> But so that that's my plan is just to get all the ducks in a row so that, you know, 2021, if we get through the end of this year and things sort of go back to normal, my goal 2021 is to take the exposure I've gotten from all these, the commercial views and things like that and building a fan base and stuff and engaging with those people through the podcast, through my website, through Instagram and more commercials. And then being like, all right, Houston, there's a, I got a bunch of emails from Houston. I'm going to go do a one night show in Houston and engage with the fans and meet people and, and just have fun and, and try to start then building uh, like a touring schedule for comedy. Cause comedy is like my favorite. You just, all I want to do is get on stage, talk to the people, laugh, have a good time. I'm not, I've never enjoyed myself more than in those moments when you're on stage having a great set. It's magic for everybody. And so that's like my main goal career-wise. The commercials, all the other stuff is just, it's awesome. It's extra. It's, it's skill building. It's, it's fun. But it, it's, I see all that as the stuff that drives people to then go to my website, to follow my podcast, to engage more, and then eventually come to a show. So that's really uh, what I'm trying to get ready for. What's your website? Is it live right now? Yes, it is. JamesSchrader.com. Uh, I believe it's updated. 
I believe there's a picture of me doing laundry on my porch, actually, (laughs) on it, saying like, hey, COVID's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yep, there we go. Are you going to pull it up? Yeah, I can screen share now. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect for podcasts. Um, Did you say it was jamesschrader.com? Yes. Okay, got it. If you you Google James Schrader... I've got a pretty good, actually a, a friend of mine reached out to me. and was like, Hey man, have you, did you like, did you set up all your Google stuff? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking. Oh, there I am. Yep. <laughs> laundry needs to get done. Well, <laughs> true. Oh, that's funny. I didn't even see that. Is that your little skibbies in the background? Uh, <laughs> mine are my daughters. There's some Peppa Pig panties in the background. Um, <laughs> <All right. laughs> <laughs> well, what, what were we saying? Were we? Was, was, you're talking about your SEO search results for Google. Oh yeah, yeah. A, a friend of mine reached out. He's like, "Yeah, man, your Google looks really legit." And I was like, "Oh shit, just what I need. I need more pressure." Now I look legit. Now I have to live up to that. So it's kind of well, like we a already thing announced you're an amateur. Thing. So we'll <laughs> right. We'll Let's drive just, that home. Please, amateur. Why was your friend thing. googling you? Do you know? <laughs> Listen, I, you know, people, I don't know. I don't know. I have a very funny Google story. I, I can't tell it on. Well, we have eight minutes, so. Oh, no, it's not a time. It's more of a content issue because we, <laughs> um, it's, this is a all ages no. podcast and oh. it's not all aged. I kind of, I cussed. Yes. Did I? Fuck. Yeah, that's okay. We didn't. For, to be fair, we didn't tell you. That's our fault and yeah, our I, yeah. Thank uh, you for lack of professionalism. I'm not the bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, not at all. We, yeah. totally, we usually say that and we forgot, and it's not a big deal. I don't know if produces Orion podcast, but you need to get your <laughs> shit together. Foxhole Studios. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh yeah, they are a producer, aren't they? <laughs> I was like, I need to create a banner. Um, but. Shoot, I oh, got yeah, distracted. Yeah. There's oh, your podcast, is that live yet? Or what did you Podcast is for? not live. I'm uh, working towards that. I have um, consulted with a producer for that because with the with everything I'm doing, the writing and the stuff, and it feels like there's a lot on my plate in, it, uh, in trying to be a dad, uh, I'm trying to get somebody else involved to help me where I can record it and then they can do the uploading and the, the editing and stuff like that, so... I'm working towards that. Uh, I'm hoping to go live within a month and I will be releasing new new episodes and then the backlog of the eight or nine from before. And that well, is called... We use Foxhole uh, Studios. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Plug okay, yourself um, first and then I'll plug. Okay. <laughs> uh, my podcast is called uh, Let's Be Human with James Schrader. And uh, yeah, pretty much like uh, go to my website for updates on that. Cool. Well, we use Foxhole Studios for editing our podcast, so mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know. There are also two members <laughs> of, a, of a local band called Headphone, mm-hmm. probably seen around, um, and I don't know, they're just brilliant musicians, and they produced our music, our custom music, called um, Mojito Dreamer. Mojito Dreamer. I do this because that's what I <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, we highly recommend, highly recommend them if you're looking for another quote. 
Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Foxhole Studios. All right. Well, we um, do our best to keep this under an hour because we everyone tells us it's too long if it's more than an hour and they don't want to listen. So I bring that up every single podcast. <laughs> um, Laurel or James, do you guys have anything before we wrap it up? No, I think we should have James do his three-point landing. First of all, I, I, considering you're using aviation terminology, do you know what a three-point landing is? Yes. What? When they land really well with all three wheels on the ground at the same time. Okay, we'll, we'll take that. That's I'm not going to argue. <laughs> I always, yeah, that. Uh, I only know it because my dad named one of my horses a three-point landing because she had three white socks, and he said that's like the perfect landing. It's a good landing. Okay. We cool. jumped horses. And, and this is this is the difference between Laurel and me growing up. <laughs> Laurel's horse named after flying terms. Mm -hmm. And your <laughs> horse was non-existent. Nailed it. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> so I, mean, I don't I mean, know what it means, but Laurel told me what it meant, and I'm like, well, "Yeah, sure, cool. let's do it." Are you? Doing yeah, no, I know. Yeah, and you you said it. I mean, that's pretty much it. It is a good landing. It's not like the best. It's it's a smooth landing, but yeah, it's when all oh, three okay. wheels touch at the same time, which well, depending on your type of aircraft is frowned could be frowned upon. Well, um, and the reason why we named after a horse is because you want the smoothest landing. Like you want the beautiful, like scopy, perfect landing. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Well then. Here Are you go. a pilot? I am, yeah. Like, how often do you fly? Uh, I haven't flown since I left Florida because uh, aviation does not fit the budget of a comedian. Um, so I haven't flown in about eight years, but I'm hoping in the next year or so to get current again. But I flew a lot when I was in Florida. I owned a, a, a small share of an airplane there. So I was flying weekly in Florida. We're, we're, we're taking this on as a mission. You have to get back to it. And you got to take Oh, yeah. Flight. You got to do a little touch and go at Brownfield Airport and like fly around. Like we're doing. That's actually, you know, it's funny about Brown. That's where uh, my family gave me a gift certificate last year for Christmas to like get current again. So I will be Yay. flying out of Brown. So Yay! You, you have to tell yeah. us, and we'll like we'll paint a sign on our roof so you can like fly over our house. That's excessive. <laughs> you can just wave. You know, that's how I roll. It doesn't have to be arts and crafts. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. does. Yeah. I think there's a things very you really move. have that's more important to do than she's like, no, 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 no. We can put everything on hold. We have to go paint the roof. Have to. A hundred percent something Laurel would do. Like, right. Um, well, anyway. the three-point landing, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, wait, James, we didn't name it a three-point landing because like you're a pilot. That's like usually what we say in our sign-off is mm -hmm. like three-point landing if you're three. I like it. Anytime okay. you can bring aviation terms into regular conversation, I'm I'm a fan. Surely you can't. Don't, be don't call me Shirley, but <laughs> I am. That was too easy. Did you mean to do that? Yeah, I was trying to. It was an. E I'm not a comedian. I know. I don't make easy, easy jokes wherever I can. <laughs> and then I'll step on your lap. You're learning. You're learning. It's okay. It's okay. Um. All right, what is the three-point landing game? What am I trying to do here? Like three key takeaways for the listeners. So we just talked for about an hour. And so if there's like three things to leave people with. Okay. Number one, you are the exact right age right now to change your life. 
you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt other people. But like, if you have a passion that you're like, well, I'll have time. Well, I'll get to it. No, you won't. Coronavirus has totally shined a light on the fact that like, eh, who knows? So now is the time. Make the changes. And it doesn't have to be huge. You don't have to change your whole life. Just, I've been trying to use the, like, uh, I've, been try- I've been trying to judge myself less and more look at like, how am I trending? Am I trending that I'm eating healthier? Am I trending that I'm exercising more? Am I trending that I'm checking little little you know boxes of things that need to get done to get my podcast up, to get my website updated? Am I trending in the right direction? And as long as you're trending, no matter how steep or slow or like flat the trend is, you're getting better. So take the little steps. If you love painting, go take a painting class. Just go buy watercolors. Spend $8 on Amazon and buy watercolors. And they will show up at your house and you can start painting. But just do the little things because there is never a better time than right now because you're only closer to dying. So that's one. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I was like, was that one or three? I'm just fine either way. I don't know. All right. I mean, that seems You're good. circling the landing now and you've done a touch point. Now you're back in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just stayed on the ground, but I took back off. Um, no, you're good. Okay. All right. Jesus. Fine. I'll stop. No, please keep going. No. <laughs> I'm just, you're the guest. I don't know. Well, I mean, we're 49 seconds over. Uh, we're running the light. Um, but I just say like, if, if you want it, just start, start doing it. Start doing something, start anything. And if you don't know what you want to do, that's kind of a fun place to be do to be too, because Go just try things. Go dip, you know, the internet is at your disposal. Go dip your toe in a whole bunch of ponds and see which one you want to jump into. Because this it's all too short. Go have fun. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. We enjoyed speaking with you. <laughs> I enjoyed being here. That great did not sound. Oh, it did. It was that did that that not sound sincere. Sorry. Not at all. Well, great. Okay. Hold on. Um, I'm not an actor. Um, that was great. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed having you here. Thank you so much for taking your time. We know you are a celebrity and you are definitely the most famous person we've had on this podcast. So thank you for joining us. We look forward to the James bump. Um, yeah, thank you. We really, we, we do really appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys uh, asking me to be on. I feel like I talked too much. Uh, and didn't answer most of the questions, but uh, thank you and good luck to you guys. And you're both doing wonderful things and trying to change the world for positive, better ways. And I appreciate that. So, uh, thank you, Orion Podcast and Jessa and Laurel for having me. Thank you. Yeah. All right, send it, Jessa. Thanks for listening and visit astellar.co. That's A-S-T-E-L-L-A-R dot C-O for reference materials from the podcast and to connect with Jessa and Laurel. Foxhole Studios specializes in audio production and can work remotely to meet your audiovisual needs whether you live in San Diego or not. Getting a podcast started? Contact the team at info at foxholestudios.com for any and all inquiries.